This is Spinal Crap, the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury. Remember, if you heard it on This is Spinal Crap, it's probably not medically correct, so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional. This is Spinal Crap, sponsored by Colorplast, providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management. Welcome back to This is Spinal Crap. Today we are going to be talking about families and we'll be chatting about how our families coped with the injuries and the impact on their lives and supports that are available for families. In studio today we have Gracie. Hi. We have Chris. Hello. We have Ian. Hello. And in a Spinal Crap first, we are super excited that we actually have a guest. Yay! We have a special guest because joining us today is Grace's lovely mum, Penny Green. Hi, Penny. Hello. Professor Green in the house. (laughs) (laughs) We were delighted that you're here and we were delighted. We were all at Grace's brilliant Alive party and thank you so much for including us. It was such a warm welcome and we we had a great night. It was an absolute pleasure. Fantastic evening it was too. So good, so good. Did you enjoy it, Gracie? Oh, a lovely time. I didn't feel very good the next day, but <laughs> great on the night. Brilliant. Chris had an amazing time. Really good organic beer as well, actually. Very good organic that beer. That organic beer was oh, gorgeous. I'll tell Nathan that that was his only job of the party, was to choose the beer. So. Oh, he, he nailed it. Really, really, good did, yeah. really good job. Really good job, yeah. Okay, so for everyone that suffers a spinal injury, there are many more people whose lives can change as a result. And Grace, you mentioned before that with Nathan, you felt that you were going through something together. And I think that is the whole thing, isn't it? The families go through it together, the couples go through it together. And today we're talking about families and how parents, children, siblings, spouses cope when a loved one gets a spinal injury. Penny, something that nearly every listener has said to me since we started this podcast is how shocking Grace's story is, which I think we can all agree is very true. How was the news broken to you? I was actually in a meeting, a faculty executive meeting, with heads of school at my university, Queen Mary University of London. We were on the Mile End Road and we heard a tremendous number of ambulances going backwards and forwards, just a tremendous number. And I was next to a colleague from geography and and we were both wondering what on earth. We were looking at our phones to try and determine if something had happened. But we couldn't really work it out. And uh, after the meeting ended, I went across the corridor to my office where I had another meeting with a a very great friend and colleague, Neve. And then um, Grace appeared to ring me. And I picked up the phone and I said, (laughs) as I always do, hello, darling. And I had a very uh, strange experience. Another woman's voice said, are you the mother of Grace Spence-Green? The kind of words that you never ever want to hear Um, and I said yes and I immediately knew and and something was very wrong and she said I want you to listen very carefully and I want you to get to Westfield Mall um, as quickly as you possibly can and I couldn't understand it made no sense to me why was Grace going to be at Westfield Mall she was in Maidstone as far as I understood and she was coming back home that weekend But I knew immediately and I couldn't work out where I was to go. So I just handed the phone to Neve. And fortunately, he was terrific and we just raced outside. He grabbed an Uber and we we took off to the mall as quickly as possible. And on the way, had you any idea of what had just happened? I continued to speak to the security guard or the security person who had rung. 
who told me that Grace was conscious and was speaking. Um, so that was a relief. But I had a very physical reaction. My mouth went very dry. I knew something extremely serious was wrong. I just knew. Yeah, I mean, nothing can quite prepare you for something like that. Did they uh, tell you what happened or anything? No. They didn't know no, no details or anything like that? No details at all. And when we got there, I mean, I was, I was running through the mall with Neve and the security people at Westford were saying, there's no need to hurry. And I said, my daughter's been injured and it's okay, she's all right. You know, I don't know who I was speaking to, but somebody who clearly didn't know anything. And, and when, when I got there, I mean, it was a huge sense of relief to me that she was actually able to talk to me, that I could see her, that she was alive. All I could imagine was that she'd been stabbed. Oh, wow. I, I couldn't understand. You know, here she is. It's a shopping mall calling me. I couldn't, I couldn't work it out. So I, I assumed that it was something of that order. But when I got there, um, I was told because, and I could see what had happened, basically. And just, just in case we have any listeners who haven't actually listened to our first episode and don't actually know Grace's story, Grace, can you quickly sum up what happened that day? Um, yeah, so I was walking through Westfield Shopping Centre to get to the tube station. I was on the ground floor and a man decided to jump from the third floor and landed on top of me. I mean, it's just, you just never hear these stories, do you? No, I think the nature of Grace's injury is what Shocks most people. I mean, any spinal cord injury has devastating effects on a person's life until they recover themselves, until they find their balance. And people do find their balance, which is, I'm really, really happy to say. But it can take quite a long time. But the nature of Grace's injury uh, elicits the kind of reactions that really you don't want to hear. I have people who just grabbed my arm and said, that's the most catastrophic thing I've heard. Or, uh... I've got children too. And I think, oh, well, lucky you. (laughs) Or, oh, my God, that's unimaginable. And I know where it's coming from. It's coming from a good place, but it's not terribly helpful at the time. You have to understand it is coming from a good place, don't you? Because people say some very strange things. They do. And also, how do you respond when you hear that story? Because it is shocking. You don't ever hear those kind of stories. Well, oddly enough, when I was at school, um, a teacher was walking in London. I'm from Tasmania. And somebody tried to commit suicide by jumping from a building on Oxford Street and he was similarly injured. So, oddly enough, I have two examples in my life. So everything happened, I'm sure it was all very blurry and frantic. But you got her to a hospital, she gets into surgery. You were telling me earlier the story about what happened. About So when she was in surgery, what were you doing? What was happening with you? Had Bill been told, your husband Bill, had he found out? Yes, Bill arrived very quickly uh, because I'd rung him. He was working from home that day. The ambulances were there by the time that, that we got there. We, we went in the ambulance with Grace and at the same time, Bill was calling colleagues from the medical school who also joined us at um, the Royal London. Um, and we waited in a room. I can't remember which floor. Maybe it was the 12th. I can't remember. And friends joined us very quickly and were supporting us. And I just remember being tremendously cold and and shaking. I just couldn't stop shaking and lying down on these very hard chairs. And I think towards the end of your surgery, a registrar came up and asked us for permission to to do a further fixation. They'd worked on your T4, T5, and then they were asking us permission to work on C1, C2. As it turned out, it wasn't necessary. But at that stage, things had gone well in terms of the fixation. So we got a sense And then they ended up not doing that, but your wonderful surgeon, Jonathan Bull, came up 
after surgery to tell us that, how it exactly had gone. And how did you find the medical staff, the way that they interacted with you? Like, I don't mean specific people or specific hospitals, but in general, the whole system, did you feel that you were included in what was going on or involved or like being considered in Grace's care? In that moment, um, we were very considered and I felt very much there's, as a parent, there's nothing you can do. Your, your your child needs emergency surgery. You hand over to the experts, and I don't have any issues at all with that. And they were they were tremendous. At later stages, I think that there were there were certain issues that we had, um, but generally speaking, I think the NHS does a superb job, and we're just really really fortunate that Grace was close enough to the Royal London, which has a fantastic trauma centre. And luckily they send their patients to Stanmore because we never would have met you if you hadn't ended up there. So it all works for a reason, doesn't it? What kind of support system did you have in place? And you say that Bill was there and your friends and because it's not just one day, that would have been many weeks where you would have been very traumatised. Yes, you you would is turned upside down very quickly and it's, 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 it's extremely hard to imagine what the future will look like but we're really fortunate my family my my sister flew over immediately from Tasmania with her daughter Rose and Sally and Rose came over and um, my sister's an occupational therapist Uh, Rose is a nurse so that was absolutely amazing in those first days when we were really lost Um, my brother and his two wonderful daughters and I said my brother Tony and um, Becky and Jess came over uh, about 10 days later and so we we felt that we were tremendously supported by our family that made a huge difference because you don't have to try hard with your family Mm. but we also had the most amazing friends we have superb friends and they were there grace's friends just formed this cloud of love on level five of the royal london (laughs) and there'd be 25 people sitting around a whole bunch of tables that have been placed together and friends brought in food and cakes and and people would come very early in the morning and stay till late at night and there was always this marvelous group and it really did feel wonderful and we were back and forth um, to level five um, during that whole time and it felt we were very loved and we really needed that. And Gracie did you while this was all going on did you appreciate the people that were around you at the time or was it something that you look back on and, and understood later how important it was? I think a bit of both, to be honest. I think at the um, family-wise, I really appreciate it because I saw them every day. They came from as early as they could and stayed till they literally were kicked out. And friends I knew were knew were there in the hospital, but like, I didn't really see them, but it was just nice to know that you know everyone was around. Yeah, I mean, I think that that kind of support is incredible, isn't it? Yes, and they were all there in, in as soon as people heard when we were we'd arrived by ambulance and we were in A and E and Grace was being assessed. You know, some of her dearest friends were already there and 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 desperate for information and just all supporting each other. So right from the start, we had we had that tremendous support. Lovely, and. Um, when, like, so later on, so there was the hospital, um, the Royal London, and then there was Stanmore. Um, did you continue to visit Gracie every day? Or I mean, how did that affect me? Because you've got a job with a lot of responsibilities. How, how did your life work out for those few months? Well, I think Bill and I are extremely fortunate. We both work at Queen Mary. And the university 
was incredibly supportive. And so they, we, we just took, we had as much time off as we wanted. We chose to make it three months in the end. Um, we were in hospital 100 days and we'd go in the morning, early in the morning, and we'd come home at night. Um, and that was, you don't, you don't feel it to be quite as taxing as it is at the time because it's just what you do. You know, the person you love most in the world is needs you most. And so um, that's what we did. And but, but we were extremely fortunate to have such an accommodating workplace. My colleagues just stepped in. Um, they, they kept us up to date, but they didn't intrude at all. And, of course, they also sent enormous, wonderfully sort of word messages of love the whole time. So we were, I think, very privileged in that sense. When Grace came out of hospital then, because you went home, didn't you, Grace, for a while? Yeah, I was at home for about two and a half weeks, I think. Was that all? Yeah, yeah, we were really lucky to find find a flat really early on. Three and a half weeks. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what was counting? Apologies. <laughs> so during those few weeks, and even now, even after Grace has moved out from home, how involved did you have to become in her daily life, more than you normally would for your adult daughter? Um, much more than Grace would have liked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that everybody could probably, everyone could probably say that. I mean, I would have, I, you know, hap- I, you know, I'd happily spend every minute of every day with Grace. Oh. <laughs> um, but, but it was for Grace, I, I imagine, quite intrusive. And our house is impossible for somebody with a spinal cord injury. And it, particularly at that time, I think now we could negotiate it yeah. much better. What I would say about that is that the transition from Stanmore to the community is dreadful. I think that that is perhaps the biggest failing. And I think it's a mark of just how much this government has cut local councils because services in the local authorities in terms of occupational therapy, in terms of physiotherapy, in terms of of support for somebody whose life has has changed very, very dramatically, is just not there. And the people that we tried to get hold of worked maybe two days a week. And I understand why. I understand it's because of the cuts. But it has a devastating impact on people. We're very fortunate, you know, in terms of social and intellectual and and, and financial capital. We are very privileged. And so we were able to take on board those things, though that was really very demanding. I mean, you know, we thought about nothing else about except arranging the new lives that we had to lead and, 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 and how to make this, this new world of ours as best as it possibly could be. But that was tough. And I do think that the NHS is an absolutely wonderful institution and it breaks my heart to see it breaking as it is at the moment. I absolutely agree with you. I completely agree. I was in exactly the same situation, to be fair. The, the waiting list, I think, was three or four months mm. for physiotherapy. In fact, I'm yeah. just thinking about it now, I still haven't heard from my physiotherapy. So that would be six months now, six months since I left hospital. So I, I'm fortunate as well. I managed to pay for it privately. But um, waiting six months with a spinal cord injury for physio is ridiculous, isn't it? An yeah. OT, I mean, forget the OT. I don't think I even got on the point with the OT uh, specialist in the end. Well, I won't say anything about my experience. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just going to say, it's, it's quite interesting because Stacey got a phone call from the police. Stacey, my wife, mm. we'd obviously just been married. Now she picked up the phone and said, this is the police. Uh, she looked down the garden path and two policemen walking down the garden path. <gasps> oh and she literally just tried to call me on the phone because she was worried I hadn't gotten to work because I was on my motorbike, obviously. 
So uh, she literally fell to her knees and was, oh, you know, no just thought the absolute worst. So, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a massively interesting uh, experience to take that sort of phone call. I don't know how I'd cope with getting that call. Did she just, like, spring into action? She's very pragmatic like that. I think she broke down initially. Well, I know she broke down initially. But the police basically said, I've broken a couple of legs. He's he's okay. He's going to be all right sort of thing. Um, They offered her a lift to the hospital, but she said no. She jumped in the car, came straight to the hospital. And then from there, uh, she made the calls to the rest of my friends and family, obviously my mum and dad, to sort of say what happened. But they didn't really explain to her. I went to St George's, and I don't think it was really explained to her until we had to sign the paperwork to sort of say, Ian needs a a plate in his back because he's broken his back. And then it was like, oh. But maybe that's better in in a way that she didn't... You know, if she thought you just had broken legs until she got there. I think so, yeah. I think it pretty worked. It was easier for her, I think, to to sort of... uh, come to terms with the injury, as it were, because if you just think it's broken legs, not a broken back, you're not thinking about the next step and, you know, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Yeah. I knew I'd broken my back. So when she came, when she came to the hospital and saw me, I was like, I've broken my back. She said, no, you haven't. So then you've had to go and get the doctor to then say, actually, yes, he has. So now, post all the hospital stuff, you're at home, you're living your new life. How day-to-day, as a family... How has life changed for you? For me personally, not a great deal has changed. It changed initially um, when Stacey came. She runs her own business. She works with animals, horses. So she has to be with the horses all pretty much all the time. But she took the first week off pretty much. A lot of people helped out. All our friends and family came to help with the horses. But then, of course, life carries on. You have to go back to work. So other people then stepped in to come and see me. Um, she had to go back to work and, and, and carry on. And that's pretty much how it's been, which is great for me because I don't want to dwell on what's happened. Yeah. I just want to crack on and like life goes on. So let's let's go and live life again. Uh, so it's been quite, for me, cathartic. And the fact life has gone. Chris, your parents, you're very close to your parents, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you look worried. <laughs> <laughs> my mum and dad were actually coming back from France. So at the beginning of the year, my mum and dad typically go to Spain for three months. Okay. And they were with the dog, just stopped off at the hotel the night before they were due to go back to London the next day. And I think I think they just got to the hotel and the, my surgeon called them. My dad was like, oh, what's he done now? Because he's obviously gone, he's had a f- injury, uh, football injury. He was like, I think you need to pull over the car. And my dad was like, no, 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 just, just what's happened? And he was like, you need to pull over the car. Something really serious has happened. And he was like, right. So they obviously got told the news and they then booked on to the next final Eurotunnel, spent all night driving, got to St. George's at 3am. My sister met them in the uh, car park to pick up the dog, take him back. I remember coming out of surgery and I mean, it's like a blur when you come out, right? It's like a real, like for like a couple of minutes, it's like, where am I? What's going on? And then I just remember seeing, I was like seeing my dad and I was like, what the fuck? Is he here? How's he got here? Is he doing it? And mum and dad and I was like, oh, <laughs> so that was really nice to see them. What up? How did Daisy out. find out? She got there before the um, I got there. She was at St George's before I was. Uh, right. She got a call from one of the boys in the football team. Right. Uh, so uh, my mum and dad like swapped in for her. She was like, she'd been with me and yeah, she'd be yeah, waiting. Yeah. So they were, that must you have been home. so comforting, though. Oh yeah, because um, the whole time uh, when I was travelling and the guy was holding my head, he was like, "Oh, great news, Chris. Daisy's already at the hospital waiting for you." And I was like, "Oh yes." And then she was the first person I saw come off the. 
It's so mm. yeah. my that brother was, was the first person I saw after so my my family all live in Ireland and and like your parents, my my parents are over in Spain as well. And I'd been kind of downplaying things with them because I didn't want my mum worrying and then suddenly it was like, Oh, hang on, emergency surgery, middle of the night, all of this crazy stuff going on. So my um I called my sister because I didn't want to worry my mum and then my sister was like, Okay, hey, you have to call her and yeah, <laughs> so yeah. anyway, everybody got called. And my brother was actually at a conference in Southampton at the time. So he oh, got right. in his car and came up first thing in the morning. So when I got out, he got there shortly afterwards. So that was one of the, I've never, never been so grateful to see my Aww. brother. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really nice to have. And then my mum came over a few days later. I don't know if you can remember, Grace, but when you were in recovery, we couldn't find you. Nobody knew where you were. <laughs> so we were going between the 12th floor and the 5th floor and up to the 12th floor and 5th floor. Probably about two hours. Nobody knew where you were. Wow. It was horrible. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I had a bizarre experience, not particularly close to my external family, sort of aunts and uncles. I hadn't seen my cousin in probably five years. And as I'm lying in ICU, I looked over and my cousin walks in. Okay. What are you doing here? <laughs> Am I on drugs? Is this? <laughs> <laughs> People very, were. very bizarre. Yeah, I yeah, very bizarre how it all works, how people then come and, together. And the reconnections and you have. Exactly that, yeah. I had absolutely. that, like, I had my uncles came to visit me, which, I mean, I'm close to my uncles anyway, but they came to visit me. Um, and, like, people made a huge effort. Like, so many, I'd say Ryanair should have put on special deals for my family and friends. <laughs> there was so many people. My friend came over to shave my legs once I started to get a little bit fuzzy. Thanks, Shauna. Um, <laughs> I, I was just so, you know, you're lying in bed, you can't move, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm disgusting. And I was upset about it I think that's a legitimate thing yeah, to yeah. just feel a bit shitty about um, and Sean was like right I'm coming over I'm shaving your legs <laughs> 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 friends and family we wouldn't we wouldn't get through it without them would no, we no, no. and Grace's grandmother who's who's in, in Tasmania but who's unable to travel has been a, a wonderful support to us all constantly messaging sending Grace gifts and, and really caring and it meant such a lot and Nathan's family I mean Nathan obviously has been heroic but his his wonderful parents and grandma and brother and sister have been by our sides the whole time and that meant for us because we're quite a small family especially living over here in, in mm. and in London it meant that we we had this wonderful extended family including our very special friends who uh, have been extraordinary but that meant such a lot. There's something that we didn't feel isolated ever, even though it is our own immediate experience. I think that having them meant the world to us all. Well, I was going to say extended family. Stacey's mum and dad were fantastic. Uh, Stacey's sister and her husband were also brilliant friends. I mean, for me, it was um, colleagues who then became very close friends. People come to visit me every day. Nikki, my friend Nikki and Eugene, every Saturday they were there for the whole time I was in hospital. Obviously, my parents coming to see me pretty much every day yeah my friend Anthony uh he was pretty cool as well come and feed me when I was in St George's which he found quite funny I met him he's the one I met yeah he's the one he met yeah, yeah, yeah he's we a great went, guy we went to the pub yeah that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> your stories so always end up with you going to the pub yeah, funny enough <laughs> <laughs> we it's a running theme <laughs> we're going to the pub <laughs> Daisy's family was was absolutely incredible. There, uh, her mum uh, Tina and her dad Nigel are just the most loving people you could you could ever meet. The whole family are amazing cooks and chefs. And her auntie Vivian and her grandma. Um, you know, I had that thing about I really had a craving yeah, for yeah, yeah. the Fanta lemon. Yeah. yeah. Right. When I was in my second hospital, I have a craving for pineapple. Um, but it went a bit overboard. So my mum, you know, she's one of those who like you want something, she'll go out and get you every sort of 
pineapple you can imagine, pineapple jelly and everything. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, she got me uh, like literally pineapple, pineapple jelly, pineapple drink, anything you can imagine that has pineapple in it. And then, but so did uh, Daisy's mum, and then so did her auntie, and then so did her grandma. And then by the end of it, I've got like a whole fridge full of pineapple. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks. I, I, had I can't pie. have pineapple anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I had shepherd's pie, my favourite shepherd's pie. I love shepherd's pie. Yeah. And the food in St George's was a lot to believe be desired and a friend of ours Emma she brought up a great big shepherd's pie that most of the staff ate really? <laughs> yeah, it was that good I'd, can I have some of my shepherd's pie oh well, actually it's all gone now <laughs> oh, my thing was pyjamas because now I hate to bring down the tone but you know the way at the beginning and there's kind of no bowel control going on there and it's just going everywhere um, and I was getting through pyjamas like a few pairs a day and I was like I'd run out of pairs of pyjamas and so my family were like coming kind of taking it in turns to come like so my mum would be over for a few days my sister would come over for a few days whatever and I was just sending everybody and my friends I was sending them all down to Primark <laughs> to buy pyjamas and it got to the point where there was actually a woman um, so there's a girl in the bed opposite me Vicky and she was having she had a spinal tumour and her mum Caroline whenever Caroline wasn't sitting with Vicky if Vicky was asleep her mum was sitting over with me <laughs> and Aww. she went down to the um, to Primark and bought me a load of pyjamas and I just thought oh it was just like the most mum thing for somebody to do <laughs> it was so sweet so it's amazing the friends that you make oh, from oh, yeah, you know yeah. from oh, situations yes. I mean we had we had friends in in that waiting room the night of surgery, and who, you know, that you never forget that kind of, like of that connection, support. Is it? Yeah, the connection you, you get from that. Yeah, is just yeah. yeah, and yeah. Sue and Carolyn, but then you know Claire and Joanna, who set up the most um, amazing just giving fund um, mm. yeah. through Aspire for Grace, mm. and and that has meant the world to to Grace's mobility and has just an independence, really, hasn't it, darling? A really good point is the the support that people give. My friends and family at home in Ireland had a party for me about five or six months after my injury and when I was actually able to travel back and they had a party and they did a fundraiser for it and because of that money people didn't know how they could help and especially when they're further away they don't know what they can do so everybody wanted to do something and the great thing was they ran that fundraiser and I raised enough money to buy my wheelchair and my and a stim and I swear to God half the reason I'm back on my feet is because of using that stim. Well, that, that they, Aspire, they supported um, me the, in the best possible way. Yeah, that's that Aspire uh, one is very good, isn't it? Because the Aspire charity gets some money as well as you get money yeah, as well. Yeah. Because yes. my friends raise well, money for me giving. through just through I mean, sorry, just the, giving. Um, yeah, yeah. Gift aid. the gift, the gift aid. aid. Yeah, exactly that. Which I think is a fantastic way to raise money. Because I found it quite hard to ask people to help me fund a wheelchair. I mean, it's very difficult, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. But they did, and obviously Aspire got some money from that as well, which is fantastic. My football team were absolutely amazing. I have to, I have to bring this up because they they set up a GoFundMe page and it it went really out of control. It's amazing how much was raised, but also every person from the football club put together this video of all these my footballing idols all wishing me well. And we're talking about Jose Mourinho, Eden Hazard, um, Michael Owen. I genuinely wow. cannot. I remember my dad ran into intensive care and he's like he's he's crying his eyes out. He's like you won't believe what the boys have done. <laughs> and he showed me this video. I was like oh my god. It was absolutely incredible. I put it up on the Instagram page because it is, it's its the best thing ever. I, that was my motivator. I used to watch that daily. Are those the footballers that inspire you for your trainers? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're such, there's so much more swearing on this podcast, but you're a knobhead. Yeah. We got through a whole season with like one swear and now in one episode. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because on, on the final note, I just say, like, you've used the word love so many times, Penny, and I think that's what it comes down to when it comes mm. to support networks, mm. when it comes to family or close friends, like your mm-hmm. your football team or whatever. My friends at home and the party they threw for me, I never, I actually did not realise how many friends mm. I had. And I think through an experience like this, you start to actually realise, yeah, you know, yeah, just so how true. much Without love there is out there and just how good people are. Yeah. It's unfortunate you have to go through a spinal cord injury to see it. But, <laughs> but it is really Massively. nice to see it one way or another, isn't it? Um, Backup have a family support service, which we should probably mention because they offer peer support to families. So, Penny, I don't know if things like that have you ever availed of? No, we haven't. And uh, I think we have the most wonderful friends, Mm -hmm. people who were with us the night of Grace's surgery, who stayed for hours and who've been there, who cooked for us, who ran errands for us. Who, who tried to take us out when we were low. They did everything. And I think we, we have some kind of knowledge and we have very good contacts in the field. So we were able to take on everything ourselves. I think it's terrific that Backup mm. exists. And I yeah. do know some of the people that we've met through Grace now have benefited enormously. But we've, we've, we've managed so far without. My dad gets mentoring from Backup and my mum. Yeah, my mum does as well. Absolutely really? invaluable. Yeah. Fantastic service. Really, oh, really, really is. That's good really, to know. Really, and they're, they're, they love it. Absolutely love it, yeah. I think they would have been lost without it. Yeah. Brilliant, yeah. I mean, I think it's just such an important thing to have that family support there mm. and, and recognise that it's not just the injured person who's had yeah, this experience. without a doubt. So anybody who wants to look up Backup, their website is backuptrust.org.uk and also SIA and Aspire, as Chris calls them, the hashtag Holy Trinity. <laughs> 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 the, the, those three charities are just incredible what they offer for people. Backup also run, do they do the family days in the spinal units? Yes, yeah, they do. Yeah, so yeah. that's quarterly or something, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. So if, you are, if you're listening from a spinal unit, just ask in your unit about the family days if your family are looking for information or support. Guys, it's time to play Wheel or No Wheel. <laughs> it wouldn't so be Chris if he didn't have a xylophone. <laughs> my xylophone. <laughs> it is wicked. He does love my xylophone. <laughs> Guys, you each get a box. Do not open the box. Oh. Played it last week so you know Thank how you. the game works. Oh, this is exciting. Don't don't open the box, Chris. Oh, no, sorry. I was just feeling what's inside. Just to remind anybody who hasn't listened to last week's, there are six boxes. There's five boxes because there's only five of us. In each box is a picture, which, of course, is lovingly hand-drawn by me or one by somebody else. You'll find that one. Only one of the boxes has a picture of a wheel. The others have just random pictures. Each of us will hold one box and our special guest, Penny, will pick us out one by one for whose box she wants to open. So if you get any of the pictures aside from the wheel, you're eliminated from the game. At the end... Penny, if you have the wheel in your box, you are the winner of the amazing Spinal Crap mug. I can barely contain myself. (laughs) If you don't have the wheel in your box, if somebody else has the wheel in their box, you go head to head and I'm going to ask you a really impossible question. You win if you get the closest answer. If you don't get the closest answer, you're out. Out of the game. No mug. We're we're harsh like that. (laughs) I can deal with that. I'm making such a meal of introducing this game. Uh, why am I here? <laughs> Does anybody 
everybody what understand doing? what we're Who? doing? What? Okay, we'll get it as we go along. We'll get it as all a funny thing. I'm praying to have the will. I mean, I'll... I really should have come up with something a little bit simpler. <laughs> Penny, would you like to choose your first victim? Okay, Ian. Open your box and tell us what's inside. It's a crap emoji. <laughs> and then I pick another person. Mm-hmm. Oh, Chris. Okay, what do I have? Mine's upside down. I have a flower. Ooh. It's your turn, Ruth. <gasps> okay. I have a smiley face. Okay, darling, it's your turn. I have a house. Ooh. There is a final box in the game. You can either swap or keep yours. I'll keep mine, thank you. Keep yours. Okay, open it up there and see what you got. You are now the proud owner. (laughs) So this actually... I didn't know. I think we're going to have to change the game. (laughs) You you win a mug. You win a mug. It's a great mug. I'm thrilled. You don't have a mug. I don't have a mug, no. I I was just expecting Noel Edmonds to walk in the door then with all these boxes opening up. Can I keep the emoji? But we need it for next week's game. Oh, okay. As you would have heard in last week's episodes, the really clever question every week we put up on Instagram asking for members of the public or anyone who's listening to ask any of our team a question. And this week it was sent in by an Instagram account called Life on Wheels, which is a great, is great good, yeah, Instagram yeah, yeah, yeah. Their question is, uh, what is the most eye-rolling slash misunderstood comment that you've received? They've often get, oh, you're so lucky to get a new car every three years. Yes. Yeah. 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 Which I have to pay for that, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So let's Can I start this one off? Because as a walker, my bugbear, and Ian, I'm sure you get this as well. I Actually, I know you do because I heard a comment that you told me about once. When people... People who within the SCI community think that you don't have a disability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was the yeah, comment yeah. you got about... It'd been a flesh wound. Oh, yeah, yeah. When I was in Stanmore, I was chatting to somebody. I told them the level of my injury and they just said, oh, well, that's just a flesh wound, isn't it? A flesh wound? Yeah, yeah. 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 And I had I, I had oh, okay. somebody who repeatedly, repeatedly was like, well, you don't have a real spinal cord injury. And I was like, oh. Oh and do you know it's, 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 an, it's just very dismissive I mean obviously all of our injuries are different and some of us are I mean I'm very grateful to be doing as well as I'm doing thank God mm, high exactly, fives Ian exactly right? and we talk about that regularly but you can't dismiss somebody <laughs> like that you just can't do it that's my bugbear I don't mean to get all serious about it but that, it drives me insane yeah yeah well, I think that's, that so many people think a spinal cord injury equals not being able to walk yeah yeah, and, yeah but yeah. I think that's why I think the value of this podcast is so amazing it's just the tip of the iceberg isn't it really in the great scheme of we things. learned so much more we, we were talking me penny and ian went for a coffee just before this show and uh one of the things that happens quite often to me anyway is um uh, i'll be out at a restaurant and an example i was a couple of weeks back i was with um some of my friends and they had a little one and some older gentleman came over saw me in the wheelchair and he goes so what happened to you then and i was like oh I, I didn't go into full detail just you know i was like oh i just dislocated my neck and he goes yeah yeah i know what you mean oh, i've got a bad ankle <gasps> <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not one to turn around and be like, "Well, actually, I, I didn't tell him I was paralysed or anything." But um, yeah, it was just quite funny. Like, oh, so, so bad, you. Oh, I feel for you so much. I was uh, at the hairdresser funny. last week. Mum was there too, and um, 
I I told well, your mum told us about this. Oh this yeah, I told her I was having like this alive party that day and I was to get my hair done and she was like, "Oh, what for?" And I said, "Oh, you know, I had an injury last year." And she was like, "Oh, I was in a car accident too." And I didn't mention that. I didn't say <laughs> that I was. But anyway, she was like, and I told I'd already told her I'd spent three months in hospital and she was like, "Oh, this car accident it was the worst time of my life. It was, oh, it was awful." I was in hospital for nine days and I had to then stay in bed for three days more. I had My mum was washing me. It was awful. And then the doctor said I would never walk again. She was she never, she broke her leg, basically, and broke her ankle. She said, I never walk again. Um, what, then what else did she say? And, she was, and then I did. Then I just started walking again. It was amazing. But, you know, you know, I wouldn't even feel bad if I never walked again because I was alive. <laughs> Oh my god! I wanted to escape. I'm stuck in this hairdressing. Stop, stop it! You stop yeah. my hair. It's ridiculous. I mean, like I wouldn't ever like minimize anybody's injuries. And yeah. nine days in hospital is horrible. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah, people are a little bit strange. It feel, they feel like they have to share whatever yeah. little a- ailment, ailment they have yeah, for some yeah, exactly reason. That. God, we're such a crowd of bitches, aren't we? <laughs> I know, I have so much to say for that question. I just got... Well, there's, yeah, there's lots to say. Get you started on people push your wheelchair. Oh, God. Oh, I only had that in Stanmore. It was ridiculous. I was, like, doing some wheelchair practice outside with my friend, the OT. She was great. And this woman just starts... I was trying to get up a hill, and this woman just starts pushing me. And Fran was great. She was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, how can people ask questions? How can they contact us? So you can direct message us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter page. So you can send us messages or uh, tag us in a post. Uh, but we also put up a story every week, uh, normally on a Wednesday or on a Friday. Um, so you can send us a question through the story. Uh, or you could email us. And I think our email is thisisspinalcrap at gmail.com. So there are loads of ways. Or you can direct message to one of us, however you want. Get as many questions as you can. We'll have to answer them. As ridiculous as you like. Yeah, I think the yeah. funnier, the I better. Think, I think the more ridiculous. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't want to get fair. all upset about people pushing no, their no, no, wheelchairs. And, and it doesn't yeah, have to yeah, be yeah, spinal just, cords yeah. related as well. Yeah, we I have been asked some loads. kind of random, random things, <laughs> haven't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Random is good. We yeah. like random. The question I want to ask for next next uh, podcast is where Chris gets his inspiration for his trainers. <laughs> oh, well, actually, we will be talking about that at some point, don't we? Oh, we will be. Oh, right. We actually will be talking about it. such a prick. Chris has lovely converse. Uh, Very nice. Lovely converse. We love yeah, yeah. them. I'm looking we forward to that story. All right, guys, I think that's it for today. Penny, thank, thank you, you so Penny. much Penny. for coming in. Oh, it's been a legend. Pleasure. Thank you again for inviting us all to Grace's party. We had an amazing time. And thank yeah. you for the pizza. Yeah, pizza was so good. <laughs> yeah, despite it not being burnt. <laughs> Strange black pizza dough. It was delish, whatever it was. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Guys, that's all we have time for this week. So until next week, this is Spinal Crap. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to This is Spinal Crap. And thank you to our sponsors, Coloplast. If you like this week's show, please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media.